Hi, welcome to the Innovation Game, a podcast by Potter Clarkson. My name's Rich Wells, and today we're going to be talking about a particular model of supporting small businesses here in the UK through business and IP centres, the BIPC. I'm very lucky to be joined by two guests today, Leon Dale, who is an advisor at the BIPC, and Georgia Carr, who's an associate IP solicitor here at Potter Clarkson, advising clients in the licensing and litigation team. So how are you both doing today? How, how are you coming to the podcast? Very well, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Very well. yeah, good. good, 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 good. So I think we'll we'll dive straight in with, well, Leon, what is the BIPC? It's maybe not a model that many of our listeners will have, will have heard of. No, certainly. So first of all, the acronym. So the acronym is the Business and Intellectual Property Centre. So hence why we call it BIPC, because it's a shorter term. Um, but essentially, the Business IP Centre is supporting local communities of new existing business owners all around the country. So there's around 20 plus or 22 plus now of ourselves, and we are all the way from Devon to Glasgow. So there's quite a considerable amount of number of us. Um, and it's there to provide that bit of support um, for anyone that needs it, really. There's no criteria. So, for example, if you're, you've got a business idea and you're thinking, I could really make a go of this, what do I do? What's the next steps? Then that's what we're here for. And we're based in all the libraries. So it's initially run by the British libraries as well. So we're based in all the libraries, as I mentioned, from Devon to Glasgow. And there's, there's quite a fair number. So I'm from the BIPC in Nottinghamshire, and that's essentially um, where I'm based. And I, I tend to look after the northern side of Nottinghamshire in relation to that as well. Okay. And so there's the there's the sort of, there's these centers in different places but I guess if you are from you know you can find them on Google but if you're from outside those areas what would you suggest doing can you simply contact someone nearby or yeah so in relation to if you if you're not too sure if you've got a BIPC in your in your area or your local area um, as again there's a lot of overlap between ourselves and, and other BIPCs that kind of cover a sort of regional area so what I would suggest first of all is just reach out to your local library they'll know whether or not they've got a BIPC at one of their local spots or whether it's actually been set up or arranged to be on a, a partnering region um, and then secondly speak to the council a lot of the councils or your district council will know if there's a BIPC in your area since the, a lot of the work that the advisors do is about um, sort of developing the key stakeholder relationships with uh, individuals in the area to make sure that no support's available. That sounds great so yeah it, it sounds like pretty much wherever you are in the UK they'll there'll be support for, for you from from one of the BIPC regions and talking of support within your remit what kind of support can you provide to businesses? How long is your arm? Um, <laughs> essentially so with with the BIPC I mean throughout the year we cover the fundamentals of starting and running a business. Um, we host a variation of workshops and webinars and they'll cover various topics so we can go all the way from the, the lower end which is what's digital media uh, digital media and how do I use it. Um, all the way through to those that may be comfortable with it. It's about looking at paid advertising or pay-per-click. So we have a whole host of different workshop webinars that will cover various subjects and topics. And again, everything we offer is free support. Um, but we also uh, provide one-to-one -one advice sessions with myself um, or with other specialists or entrepreneurs. Um, we also have a number of growth hub advisors that a lot of people may have may not heard around different regions of the UK. Um, and we provide sort of different events and panel talks with inspiring speakers from around the UK. Um, and then there's a variation of peer learning groups 
business clubs and networking and they're both online and in local libraries so we've got a hybrid offer across the region uh, across the uk in a sense that will you may not be able to attend an event well that's fine we do online events that makes it accessible for all um some of the other stuff that we do provide and one of the biggest draws for the bipc is that we all tend to offer databases and now these databases are usually something that's not generally accessible by the public so for example with the bipc nottingham show we offer um databases that cover markets and reports and trends company data historical annual reports patents as the majority of us are patent registered libraries so you can ask for patent searches for ourselves and then a whole host of business books ebooks and e-audio books um there's, there's a lot that we do and each uh, individual bipc usually has a, a bit of a unique offering as well that sounds great so yeah i guess that the key points it's free which is great for small businesses i suppose funding sometimes sometimes a bit tight and and you get a great a great set of resources both with advice and and access to information which which sounds fantastic and and you mentioned that um part of the support you can provide relates to patents and i guess that moves on to intellectual property and that's where potter clarkson joins as a, a small but we hope useful and significant piece of this puzzle um so uh, as you know we we work advising our clients in the world of intellectual property in its many forms um you know in your experience leon and and you know feel free to jump in georgia about you know your direct experience with working with bipc is ip a problem for small businesses or uh, is it uh, small businesses sometimes a bit too soon to be having to think about ip um i mean i'll jump into that right away 100% um, and I can say it wholeheartedly that it's never the first thing that a business thinks about the, the, the first thing that any business thinks about is how I'm going to make money how do I get customers it's never do I need to protect my IP is this something I need to protect um, you know can I maybe look at you know protecting myself to expand into other regions they, they never really think about the basics of intellectual property and that's where Potter Clarkson come into play with ourselves at the BIPC is we um, Potter Clarkson kindly host clinics for ourselves where we'll have a number of clients that will book in for one-to-one -one clinics and advice sessions with George and the team at Potter Clarkson and be able to discuss that but from my experience and from a, a number of conversations it's not generally the first thing you think about and I can say that from personal experience when I first started my own businesses it never really occurred to me. Um, the common misconception is people think if you're rich with companies, how should you protect it? And it's the complete opposite. So, I mean, George probably jump in on that as well, really. Yeah, absolutely. So, totally agree with that. Um, we, we obviously recognise that registering a variety of IP rights from the outset is, is certainly not financially feasible for all small businesses. And again, as you say, Leon, it isn't seen as a priority often, but um, IP can absolutely be valuable for businesses from the outset, all, all sizes and stages really, and definitely shouldn't be seen as like exclusively for big corporations. I think in fact, how I see it is that innovation and growth are kind of at the heart of small businesses and startups. And so IP in a nutshell is is there to protect, reward and and support this growth it's you know not all innovations and brands and your works are necessarily meet the requirements for a specific ip right say patents but i think the full suite of ip rights trademark copyright designs there 
they kind of complement each other and, and can help fill the gaps where another um, IP right might, might not be available. Yeah, that that all, all makes sense. I think it's very unusual for an, any company I'd be sort of, I don't know, maybe bold enough to add, you know, certainly an innovative company um, that there wouldn't be some type of IP right that would support it commercially. Um, and at least in my experience, not having thought things through, you know, early doors with with the business um, because a lot of decisions that need to be made in relation to IP rights relate about to, to what you might say publicly and are sometimes time sensitive by not considering it early mistakes can be made and it's it's sometimes very difficult to unpick those later and arguably more expensive as well so yeah and i think i follow both your thoughts and agree that yeah thinking about ip as a small business is 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 super important and you know thinking about the world of the bipc and how it ad advises people and how we interact as potter clarks and you know have you got a, a case study um of, of of how we have provided some ip advice georgia that you want to share with us yeah of course so so just to add to that um the bipc partnership has enabled us to have conversations with small businesses and um, with you know or with early stage innovations i'll go on to a case study in a second um and it, it hopefully gives them a sense of direction when it comes to ip and demonstrates how ip can protect your business from from the outset but whilst also being a key tool throughout to help achieve your long-term goals really so um and yeah i'll go on to a specific case study um that i i gave some initial advice to a company through the bipc a, a few months ago so the company was family run um an independent business in the retail market with an early stage innovation so essentially some online based technology that can be used by customers themselves to help with um, the, the selection and fitting of a specific product and yeah the business has never really given any thought to ip um but it got to the stage now with this you know idea that they were thinking this this could really give them a commercial edge in the market and could be valuable in the future for them um, so yeah, their, their main queries really concerned patent protection, um, but they weren't they weren't sure how to carry out the searches to see whether there's already that innovation out there anyway, which would prevent it from potentially get getting that protection. Um, and they were also having conversations with third parties, um, you know, funding development, how to commercialise this this idea. So they, they were starting to make those approaches to um, third parties. So with this background, um, I could kind of work out a thought process in terms of how we should go about advising on this. So as Rich mentioned earlier, it's really important to kind of think about how you can protect that information, that idea at quite an initial stage. And so we always advise, you know, getting a, a template NDA or confidentiality agreement drafted. So and this would be for talking with third parties, would it? Yeah, sorry. Yes, that's right. Essentially, NDAs are really powerful. They're really cost effective and they're really important when you're exploring your options with respect to that idea or um, innovation. So 
I'll go on to it a bit later on about how it's really important when you're exploring IP protection, other forms of IP protection in particular, but um, NDAs can cover really broad categories of information. I think that that can surprise people sometimes that it can it can protect, you know, really detailed technical information, but it can also protect a, a customer list or a business plan. So really powerful in that sense in terms of how broad the coverage can be. And, you, you know, you'd, you, a good NDA limits um, the disclosure and discussions around that information to a very particular purpose. So for that particular project and that collaboration um, for that, for developing that that innovation with that third party. Um, that, that sounds, that, that, I think that's really important. And yeah, just to, just before you go on and talk about the strategy in more detail, could I flip something over to Leon just to, just to, um, just thinking about something that Georgia said about you know, NDAs covering things like customer lists and the like. I guess through the BIPC, you often see different sorts of companies than you'd maybe consider to be innovative inventors. People are making gizmos. You'd be looking at companies that do potentially provide information. Is that the kind of people that you often see come through the BIPC? Where, yes, where NDA in, in this context would be useful? Yeah, I mean, Funnily enough, I actually had to help a customer draw up an NDA um, a few months ago. Um, so I actually have experience of using NDAs myself. I had a proprietary business myself a number of years ago that I'd had a number of discussions with large facilitators that, again, NDA protected me um, and anything they discussed with me that they maybe wanted to use. And it, it kind of helps you in the comparative space that you don't have to worry about what you're discussing that at the moment. And as Georgia mentioned, if it's a very good NDA, you can pretty much have a freely open discussion knowing that nothing's going to happen from that discussion um that no one's going to steal your ideas or steal what you're trying to accomplish and, and push forward with it because that protects you but again to mention a company I had a, a lady who actually was developing a, a new type of cushion that would um, help with breastfeeding and it was about a certain design and the material um and she was very very cautious about wanting to discuss it and she didn't know how to protect herself so I introduced obviously the, the, the concept of NDAs and such. So it's something that a lot of businesses don't really consider, especially depending on what they're doing. Again, if it's a product-based business, they kind of have an idea about what legal protection they want to put in place before they have an open discussion. But on the flip side of that, I mean, I've had a, a company who had an issue with trademarking, for example. Um, so they um, currently had a name that was um, registered. They went to put in their, their trademark and it actually came back that someone else had a very similar name. So um, this particular company, they reached out to the the opposite company and asked them, you know, we're looking to put this trademark on, are you happy for us to do so? And funny enough, I mean, it usually doesn't happen, and Georgia can probably uh, add to this, is that the opposing company came back and said, oh, actually, if we need to change our name, we will. So they actually generally say offer to change and make it um, approachable for my, my customer to actually have the trademark put through without any opposition. Um, which generally doesn't happen very often. That sounds quite um, unusual. Um, yeah, but it's nice when people play nightly. Um, <laughs> no, that, no, that, that are some super useful thoughts. Um, so, sort of pinging it back to to you, Georgia, with your case study. Um, maybe talk a you'll talk a bit about trademarks later. But you were sort of talking about, you know, moving on maybe from NDAs to sort of other elements of the strategy that are 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 important for small businesses, and you know, particularly the one that you advised. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for this particular business, they were they were super interested in patents. Um, and, you know, as that your job, Rich, it's, you know, ca carrying out part of your job is carrying out patentability 
assessments and kind of working out whether the innovation is is novel um, and meets all the requirements and kind of gives an overview as as to what existing technology, which is similar or identical, is is already out there, mm. um, which is a, a pretty crucial first first step before advising clients to go through the, the full patenting process. Um, but linking back to what I said previously about NDAs, the benefit of entering in to an NDA with third parties is that your ability to, to patent the technology won't be lost um, if the innovations are disclosed under these restrictions under an NDA, um, which there's the risk that it would be lost if you kind of disclosing your innovation quite widely without these res legal restrictions in place to with members of the general public really so and this also gives you time um to explore your options under an nda with third parties to map out what the technology is going to look like and to consider your commercial plan which i think is quite important you know in terms of like sales and marketing to justify the potential costs that come with patenting that innovation. So kind of gives you a bit of security um, and allows you to put more thought into the full scale of, of what you're trying to achieve. Um, no, I think that's that's super important. I think, you know, to pick up on what you said about, yeah, one thing that you need to get a patent is novelty, as you said. And if you publicly disclose something before you file your patent application, then that can be used against you to stop you getting a granted patent and what can count as a public disclosure can be quite a broad definition but something yes. under an NDA isn't so I completely agree that is so important one thing that I really liked about what you just described is the provision of time something that's come across from from Leon very strongly is the fact that these small businesses often are sole practitioners and yeah. they often need to talk to other people in order to get things off the ground, you know, to make sure that they get the advice, they're talking to third parties that can help them with various aspects of their business. And being given the freedom, the air to do that with an NDA can be quite powerful. And, and having that that you can take off the shelf is is great. So yeah, no, that 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 I think that kind of really emphasizes the importance of them within this this context anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. With this particular business we also kind of discussed other forms of ip that may be available and um, may not actually be directly relevant to that particular innovation but just the broader picture in terms of their business and, and what they're trying to achieve and um i think copyright is has more applicability than you first think in terms of you know you've got your product design drawings your written content your images your website design um, and keeping a paper trail of the creative process um, behind those works can be can be really vital um, if, if you ever need to enforce the rights against it, you know, if there's any issues with infringement further down the line. And it's quite, quite like that, you, you know, you could see copyright as protecting the expression of an idea and, and patents protecting the underlying idea and how they can kind of complement each other if, if say you aren't able to get patent protection um there's there's some ip there some ip protection to protect elements of what you're doing um and that's why it's it's nice to 
to think about the full IP picture, really. And, it, and also, as you mentioned, Leon, trademark registration, super valuable for providing um, exclusivity in your, your brand or your company name, stopping others riding on a reputation that you might have built over the years in your brand. Um, and yeah, what one point to note about this is a, a lot of small businesses will come to us and say, well, I've, I've checked Companies House, I've checked the trademark register and there's nothing out there which is identical, but it's it's also thinking about similarity. You know, you can be caught out if there's already something similar out there. And that's actually quite a complex exercise, which, you know, clearance searches is is what a, a key part of what the trademark attorneys do at, at Potter Clarkson. So there's, there's little things that can that can catch you out um, there. And I think trying to understand, um, you know, speaking to us and trying to understand exactly the process to go through. Um, can can kind of smooth smooth it out um, and stop stop these stumbling blocks kind of cropping up really. I think that's key, and it it seems to me that it's all about planning, planning, planning. And yeah. I guess um, in your role, Georgia, you help um, you know, a BIPC customer, you know, and our clients as um, to come up with this plan and. My view is it's always great to have your IP strategy aligned with your business plan so they're moving at the same speed that the IP strategy is complementing what you want to achieve commercially. Is there anything that you want to dive in on there, Leon, about the particular support that the BIPC can provide with with putting together the business plan side of side of side of a company? Is that because that, that always seems key to me? Um, you know, is that something that that resonates with you? Yeah, 100%. So, for example, when George was mentioning about looking at uh, IP, something that we actually provide, um, um, myself and other advisors have actually attended um, IPO masterclasses. So we've, we've done that with the IPO office. <clears throat> so there's a number of you know advice and information we can give, but obviously it's more informational purposes, but we can provide an IP audit. Now that helps small businesses initially when we do pass them over to, to Park Clarkson and yourselves is to understand where they're currently sitting a little bit with their IP. And obviously then you being the experts can help them further with that. But that fits in nicely with the business plans, which is something that we work quite a lot on, um, especially for very early stage businesses. It's usually more the business model canvas. Um, the, if, if anyone listening, if you Google it, you'll find what it is. It's basically a very brief and very formative way to look at a business. So you can hand it to someone and say, this is what we're trying to achieve. But you can utilize it with different planning approaches. So that kind of fits into the whole aspect of it is that it looks at all elements of what your business is or what you want it to be. But you can key that in alongside IP. And it's about understanding how the two go in hand in hand. Because it's really important that, you know, when you're branding or you're, you know, creating copy for your website or anything of the sort, there's, there's always an IP element there that new businesses and smaller businesses don't really understand. So we try and educate them as much as we can and give them as much resources and information as possible. And that's the reason we refer to Park Clarkson is because that's the next step in the process is we can say, actually, this is what you want to be looked to doing, but here's the experts to speak to. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, I guess it's, it is sort of almost having this holistic approach and I guess recognizing both as, as advisors where we all sit in as a business that um, every situation is different, isn't it? And, and it, it does need to be, it does need to be tailor-made to a certain extent. So, you know, George, you've given a really great overview of various issues and 
red flags that um, small businesses need to look for. Is there anything else you want to build on? I suppose that's, um, as you say, it's it's very very different issues and considerations for for each business really. Um, and here we were we were discussing an early, very very early stage innovation. They hadn't really had those conversations with the third parties to make it happen. So the NDA was was really the the, the first and very important first step. Um, in the process there but you know it could be a business where they're very design heavy and you know there's there's unregistered and registered design rights um we didn't go into detail in this case study but say if it was um a business that was focusing on packaging or it, in in that kind of sphere um design rights are incredibly useful and certain design rights fit better with with certain innovations so yeah very very fact specific there's not like one fits all approach um and yeah just to reiterate i think ip is is really valuable and it's it's an asset like any other i know we're biased but um you know regardless of the size of the company in question um and so understanding your rights and options um should should be considered right right from the outset and yeah it's our job to kind of make make that process easier and the bipc partnership has been fantastic for those referrals um i think it's really incredible what what support small businesses are being provided through through this so no i agree it's a it's a yeah it's a phenomenal resource um and i think that seems to be a good place to wrap things up so you know before we allow our listeners to go on their merry way to contact the BIPC. Um, are there any sort of, you know, just to summarise, it'd be great to take home three points. Start with you, Georgia, and then maybe come to you, Leon, for the second two. Um, so, you know, what what would you say the, the first point that, that listeners should take home? I think um, definitely something I've already, already said, but know your IP. I'm not saying you need to kind of work it out yourselves. It's complex. There are many IP rights and sometimes, you know, we struggle to even kind of grasp how broad the scope of, of, of what we do is really and trying to make it work for, you know, and I design an IP strategy for that particular business. It is it's complex. So it's trying to I don't I, I don't want to kind of cut across what you may say, Leon, but like don't don't be scared to ask for help, really. It's a complex exercise, but it's it's super important. So try to to get help to to kind of understand your options and the rights that, that might might be there for you as an early stage or a, a small business. Sounds great. And over to you, Leon, for for a couple of final points. Yeah, 100 percent So as, as you'll say, I would I'd definitely say don't be scared to ask for help. That's a big thing within any sort of business support sphere and again for any new business owner or even existing business owners is you may be kind of as i've got a client who mentioned bumbling through business as it's so to speak but again just don't be afraid to ask for help it's there if you're struggling to find help just do a bit of searching speak to your local councils or libraries and they'll be able to help you with that but again just really don't be scared to ask for help because at the end of the day, if you don't ask for the help, you're just going to end up failing and you better learn from someone else's mistakes than learn from your own. Um, yes. And the final point I'd say on there is, you know, we're here to support anyone and everyone. So 
for the, from what I take from that is that you know making your dreams a reality because the only person that's stopping you is you and if we're here to help you achieve what you want to achieve and plan and put you in contact with the right people and help you find funding or speaking to IP um, you know, solicitors and, and as, as a such your dream can become a reality just don't think it's not you're not capable don't feel that you're if you don't know everything you can't do it that's what our support mechanisms there for is to help you make the best decisions possible to help you push forward with an idea a dream that you have and that's the kind of final note that i would really put onto that i think that's a, a, an excellent place to end so i'd like to thank you both for your time your contributions today i thought that was a great conversation and yeah much appreciated it so information about potter clarkson can be found at www.potterclarkson.com BIPC all over the internet, so through Google and 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 various sort of social media platforms. Hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast, The Innovation Game by Potter Clarkson. You can find this episode and others on SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. Thank you. Cheers.